now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's episode, recognizing abnormal movement and how it can affect a horse's performance and building a team of professional that will benefit your horse. Also, making a mold of the hoof. And we'll also take your questions here on the air as well. we got a couple questions to answer uh, during this podcast. And over my far-hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? Doing good. Travis, how are you this morning? Well, I would say I'm doing good good physically and mentally i'm doing good but just in the whole landscape of things my wife is now deciding on buying another horse oh boy you are so lucky so how could you ask for any better not for her not to buy another horse i guess but i guess what she's done is is the horse that she has now she's i think 11 years old and she's just at the point my wife's skill level is a little bit higher than the horse's skill level and the horse can't get to her skill level quote unquote fast enough I guess is what I'm understanding so she's buying another horse that's on a higher skill level than my wife so now my wife can come up to that horse's skill level does that make sense to you it, it makes absolute sense to me but that's how she's selling me this new horse <laughs> well you do you do hit a point where a horse will kind of plateau depending on what their physical ability is it's like anything else you can't you can just take your Volkswagen <laughs> out and race Ferraris if you want to but we know what's going to happen right so what should my wife look for i know she, she's going to do the vet check she's going to do all that stuff uh, i don't know if you're involved with this because you are involved with all the horses on our property and everything i don't know if there's something that if we can get your opinion on the movement of the horse or what you should look at for the horse as well because like i said she's going to do the vet check she's going to do everything else her trainer says this is an excellent purchase or an opportunity is what they call it <laughs> to get the horse it's an opportunity to spend a lot more money is what it says to me i know her trainer her trainer's a great guy we you know hi we have morning coffee together sure. that type sure. stuff um but i haven't i don't know him on the level like we've got to know each other in the last three months now doing this podcast i would like your opinion on the horse uh, i'll show you a video of the horse and, and you can give uh, our your opinion on that horse that we're going to buy so that's where we're at right now okay i occasionally look at horses for people sometimes it helps sometimes they go in a direction they were going to go anyway well i'm just hoping that you know you can look at the horse and say one two three these check out Trav you've got a great horse there go with it and then I'll sign the check and then we'll have a new horse here on the property plus the other horse is coming home at the end of this month right. so so and uh, she said the fields out there where she was at um, they look almost exactly like ours so you were talking worried about having the horse eat too much groceries so we're we should be good bringing that horse back here at the house yeah but keep your weight tape out keep a check on it is her workload going to drop off when you get the other horse well she will because I, I believe my wife is going to turn her into a brood mare now to me that just sounds like she's going to be a baby maker is is am i correct saying that yeah yeah sure. <laughs> i mean is you what can, can, what's the definition of a brood mare i guess is we can start with that a baby maker okay <laughs> her bloodlines her name's dominique right her bloodlines are phenomenal and it goes all the way back to sir gregory who's the the head showman of the dressage i think back in 2015 and stuff that's her bloodline so we've got a good solid bloodline everyone out there who uh knows the pain or knows the enjoyment of getting a new horse that's what we're going to do here in the next couple of weeks or so let me ask you a question sure are you going to breed the horse to make money or breed the horse to collect 
my answer to that is yes, and I don't know. So you can you can plug that into whatever you want. From my understanding, I think she wants to well, have it produce babies for to sell those babies off. Now we might keep one or two, like you do a litter of puppies, but a horse only has. What's they the just have one? So if you keep one each time, well, <laughs> what's the? What's, Hopefully they just have one. Occasionally they do have twins, but you know. What's the gestation of a horse? Oh Lord, around eleven months. That's not my ballpark. Oh, okay, but still eleven months. So one every. I guess. Yeah, one every day. two years. One, two, two. I guess. Yeah, that's a yeah, long ten, time. Ten years, you can have ten more horses. <laughs> ten more mouths to feed. Oh God. All right, guys, uh, stick around. We're gonna dive in the show. We got a lot of stuff to get into. Mike also posted a couple new videos on his YouTube channel. Make sure you follow us on all your podcatchers out there. That's iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and make sure you follow Mike Stein over at YouTube and Facebook as well at Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And any questions, we're gonna answer a couple questions from emailers. And the way you get your question in is go to equinedynamics.com. Fill out the little form at the top of the page says contacts and make sure you put podcasts in the subject line and we will answer it on the very next show all right guys stick around we got more to get into you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And uh, make sure you uh, follow us on your social pages. Go to Facebook, search for Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, and also on YouTube as well. Now, Mike, you got a new uh, video up here. I'm going to play this. What what video did you, did you just post here on your Facebook feed? This was stumbling through anatomy. We're just <laughs> looking at the bone column of a horse, lower from the knee down, carpal joint or carpus or carpal joint down. Now, this is Dolly in the background. That's yeah, Dolly in the background, and that that's the the a horse, the full full scale skeleton of a horse. Well, that is a skeleton. Full scale is kind of like a probably a medium pony. Maybe. Okay, so let's see what you're saying here. Joint or the knee, which relates to the wrist. You got your cannon bone, long pastern, short pastern, and the coffin bone. When you turn it around, you see well the back part of the carpal. Your splint bones. So these are the videos that you're posting on your YouTube channel, and you can see this on YouTube as well if you want to see right. that. Not keeping up with the pace on the YouTube because of trying to work 16, 70 hours a week most of the time. Right. I, well, I can understand that. Well, let's get into recognizing abnormal movement and how it can affect your horse's performance. Well, I'll tell you, I was watching a horse work the other day, and I was listening to comments I spend a lot of time watching a lot of horses, and I have to be able to figure out things like quickly to be able to, to be effective at my job. And you know, one of the comments was talking about the horse's job wasn't going to be able to jump, so it was going to make a good dressage horse. But when the horse went in a straight line, the left side of the pelvis hiked up and pitched forward. And when I'm watching the horse, I'm taking a quick look. You know, we're talking about flares in the foot and all that, and you can dress the flare and get rid of the you know, the flare as far as being visible. But the mechanics of the flare were still in the foot because on the medial side of the foot, the whole the hind leg on both of them, the medial side was jammed up, pushed up, heels pushed up high. So we had some limb rotation. And I'm looking at the horse, and if we could settle some of this down, maybe that horse could jump just fine. You know, it wasn't my, my client. 
I would have addressed some other things on the foot a little different. I don't know exactly what the shoeing schedule was on the horse and how far into the schedule that was. They kept making comments about how the horse moved. That never popped out as far as what the pelvis was doing in the back end. And they had a group of people watching the horse. And they, none of them saw it? No. So the, what they were looking at is the cadence of the legs. The timing, the stride length matched up pretty nice. The timing matched up pretty nice. They're, assu- they're assuming everything's good. Assuming everything's good. When you watch what that pelvis was doing, hmm, big red flag. Why? So was that causing the horse? Is it a is it a pain issue or is it a? Don't know. Hadn't had my hands on the horse. There are some mechanical issues with what was going on on the ground, and I'm not going to say there were not any pain in issues. But if that horse was pitching that pelvis up, hiking it up, and twisting it forward, the way the horse is impacted on the front end was not even. There's no way it could be. So what, what, I mean, were you there to shoe the horse and fix this or was this just something they wanted? Like me, I said, I want your opinion on this horse. No. Oh, okay. No, nobody was asking my opinion. <laughs> I just, was just given. Oh, yeah. But, and they probably you know, said, who the hell is this guy? Who let him in here? I, I watch horses because that's what I do. A lot of what I teach with farriers and have started to do with horse owners is how to pick up on fast clues. That was when I spoke at the Hoof Care Summit. That's what that was all built around. Never looked at horses' feet. What we did was we looked at the horse's body. And I've got some bodywork background with uh, Caldwell, with Ray Morris more than anybody, the massage therapist. Had my hands on horse with chiropractors more than one time. And speaking of Ray Morris, he has a video that you gave me, and we're going to dice that up, and we're going to put it on Mike Stein's Equine Dynamics YouTube channel in 15-minute segments. What is the actual on the video that, that you gave me? Well, that, that's a massage video. Ray taught a lot of people to massage horses. Okay. When he was still alive and coming up here, we were running clinics together, and we ran clinics in New Zealand and Australia together. And we ended up doing a lot of hands-on clinics for horse owners. So, yeah, you guys out there, make sure you subscribe to YouTube and uh, so you can see the videos as soon as right, we Right, that's how I got there. roped into being a massage instructor, and I worked on a lot of horses with him. My one older pony that I have out there has the rear leg where it does that, that lock step right where what is that called your stifle joint is sticking okay the patella slips to the side and it makes the stifle joint lock when a horse is standing sleeping they slip the patella to the side to hold the hind leg stiff now the the stifle joint and hock joint cannot flex independent of each other stay apparatus keeps those two joints working together if they do flex independent of each other something is not connected in there that should be and i've had one horse over the years where the the stifle joint could flex and the hock could straighten out at the same time but there was some pretty good damage to that hind leg so the horse can stand there and sleep with very little effort using very little bit of muscle you know they can just pop that back and take off at a run, like in an instant. Is there anything you can do to the, the hoofs or anything to help relieve the stress or the pressure on that? Look at leverage, look at breakover, look at what your angles look like. If you've got a horse that's sitting real, real low in the angles. And this is a trim, so there's limited on what we can do. Years ago, they built what they called a rescue where the horse really could never bear a lot of weight on that leg. It was sitting on a hoop. And some of the rocker formats sometimes a wedge sometimes but you know with a trim we want to keep that breakover back so that the horse can come over easier because anything that drives that leg into a straighter position 
you know, keeps the joint in a position where it can lock. What we want to do is get the mechanics on the lower end where the leg can flex from the ground. Of course, on the other end, anything that collapses the back down will drive that leg straight. Now, and this pony is not carrying a saddle, but that's where rider interference and all that comes in. Now, I know we kind of got off topic. What other abnormal movements are you looking for to, that affects the horse performance? You know, look at the joint flexion. Do you have an oddly shaped joint where the leg goes in, in an odd direction? Is the horse able to lift and carry itself, or is the horse falling, stumbling through, falling through, inverted, going through its work? Now, see, if I see a horse walking toward me, I'm looking at the horse like dead on. I'm like, oh, God, here comes a million dollars. Sure. <laughs> walking right toward me. It's a million-dollar eating machine. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. When you see a football player get hurt, you notice his gait or his walk when he comes off the field is a little slower. It's a little limper. You can see that in, right. in an actual athlete. A horse, I would think in your mind, you would see, hey, I'm I'm not leaning this way or leaning that way but you're even saying like the smallest minute the horse's stride and everything was fine but the hip was wrong on one side right the stride length matched up pretty good i watched it when you watch what the pelvis was doing that the way the horse was impacting on the front end was thrown out from that as far as how hard it was hitting the ground on these prepared surfaces it does not show up as much but if you got a dusty a rain or some dust is flying off of it, you can tell by, you know, how much the ground's being disturbed. Uh, also, if they're on a hard enough surface, you can hear it in the impact on the ground. But, you know, notice the way the barrel is. Is it carrying the barrel in the middle of its body or pitching the barrel out to one side? Is the pelvis staying square or the shoulders even? And you'll see also, if you've got odd movement patterns, I didn't see that horse up close and get to lay my hands on it. It was under full tack. But looking at the muscling around the shoulders, are you developed evenly? Do you have muscles that are under a lot of tension and locked up? Your movement pattern is going to start showing in how the muscles develop. So that's that's just a few, few things you start looking at. Horse owners can learn to see this. Well, like you said, go out there, touch your horse every day, run your hands up and down right. with or without tag or you know anything like that. You can learn and take pictures of your horses at the same time, all the time, like right. once a year or whatever, daylight yeah. savings times, twice a year. <laughs> and you know, the thing of it is, is you take a horse like the one I was talking about. Happens all the time. Not necessarily the same pattern. If you do something to help get that horse in a more normal use of the hind end. Right now, we build the horse up. We go to work. Now, how old was the horse that you were looking at? Do not know. Okay. We wait a year down the road, two years down the road. Horse has been impacting itself uneven. Been ha- falling onto the front end on one side because of what the what the pelvis is doing. Oh, my God, we got a horse coming up lame in the front end. Okay. If you go back far enough and we address this, if we're in a place where we can, we have a more usable horse for a longer period of time. Also, look at your vet bills. When we get to the point, oh, my God, we got a problem, we start bringing the vet in. I love my vets. i got a lot of vets I work well with. (laughs) We team up very well. Mm -hmm. A sound horse is a lot more enjoyable. And less expensive. And less expensive (laughs) and could do its job better than one that has some breakdown problems. One thing I always push is early early on pay attention do something about it no well that's just the way he is well that's just the way he is will end up being broken all right stick around guys uh we're going to talk about speaking of having a vet and, and being a partnership with with a vet building a team of professionals to help benefit your horse stick around you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Just the way it is Some things will never change 
not admitted, but yes. Welcome back. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Uh, make sure you follow him on YouTube. And if you have a question, make sure you email him. Go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page, says contacts. In the subject line, just put podcast so that Mike can decipher between all his other emails. And uh, we can answer your question. We have a couple questions at the end of the show here. Uh, we'll answer on the air. All right. And so, Mike Stein, building, you're talking about teaming up with your vet and, and doing it early so your, your maintenance bills aren't as high towards the end or when the problem gets really, really bad. Tell me, building a team, what kind of team should you have of professionals? to help benefit your horse. I need to be working in situations where I have a good working relationship with a veterinarian. I need the same good working relationship with a trainer. If you have people doing any other alternative therapy, us being able to communicate is always better. If I've got vets that will not communicate directly with me, it's never as good a situation, and it's probably better for me to, when I'm asking questions, interviewing a potential client, always ask, who, basically, who are you working with? So let me explain who my wife has working with her, and just because I see him come up and down the driveway. So there's you. There's me. She has a chiropractor. Right. She has a massage therapist. Right. She has someone, I don't know if it's the same person that does the acupuncture, comes out. Now, that doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. I, may, I might have seen that person maybe once a year. Right. She has the regular vet. Right. And large animal vet. And then she had the one place where she had to take the horse down to Florida for like the huge full body x-rays. So that's our team that we have. Right. The vet clinic that you're working with, I've been working for those guys, with those guys for 35 years. You know, people call me about a horse bookings or whatever. I call the vet clinic or I get communication directly from the vet almost immediately. I've got other situations. I had one here sometime back. I've got a text message sent to me. My, my horse has ring bone. What's ring bone? It forms, there's a high ring bone, there's a low ring bone. It's kind of a ring around the joint. Starts calcifying in around the low ring bone is the coffin joint. High ring bone is the pasture joint, which I, is the next joint up from your coffin joint. I always thought the ring bone was this finger when you got married. <laughs> well, yeah, that one too. But the message, it went like this. My horse has ring bone. You need to do something. That's the information I got. And that's it. Uh, can I look at x-rays? My horse has ring bone. It's on the x-rays. High ring bone or low ring bone? It makes a difference. It has ring bone. It's on the x-rays. And this is the owner explaining this to you. Right. Can I get something from your vet? Never told me who the vet was. And I said, can I call the vet? Well, we've got x-rays. The horse has ring bone. So we're messaging back and forth. Which leg is it in? The horse has ring bone. Now, if you've got ring bone developing in the coffin joint and it says it's developing around the front of the joint, we can open that up. If it's developing around the back of the joint and you open that up, you just made the horse scream. That makes a difference right there. Where is it? And, you know, it'd be nice to know, A, what leg is it in? What joint is it in? Where is it in the joint? Because it makes a difference in how I need to be thinking when I'm working on the horse. But when the diagnosis is my horse has ring bone, and that's the information I could get, and I asked several times, I'm no longer working in that situation. It's not a problem anymore. But that's a problem. And I need to give, to communicate directly with the vet on situations like that. I need to be able to see the x-rays. I need to be able to discuss with the vet. We put together a plan. And also, if the horse is in some level of training, we need to bring that trainer into the loop on it. If your massage therapist is finding something glaring that's locking up that I have not noticed, I need to know because it starts making a difference in how I'm thinking. If the diagnosis, my horse has ring bone, you know how many variations that can be? And I don't even know what leg it's in. I don't know what joint it's in. I don't know where it is in the joint. So what do you do? 
Well, you, you, yeah, you depend on the information that the vet gives you or depending right. on the information that the owner or trainer got from the vet. Yeah, like the trainer your wife uses. I've got several trainers that I work with well. I work on some their clients. I've got you know several vet clinics that I do a lot of referral work for. And that's most of my business is a vet referral, you know, working on performance horses. A lot of the performance horses that I'm working on, I've ended up working on because they have a little bit of a movement problem, mechanical problem, something that's not moving as clean as it should be. But we want to maximize what the horse's ability is. If there's underlying things I need to know, I need to know. And if I kept, if I can't find out, it's like my horse has ring bone. How do you work with that? So essentially, you're you're saying make sure the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. So, exactly. So if you have a horse and your trainer saying this, make sure the trainer, the vet, the farrier, anyone in in the team of professionals that you have working on the horse, at least if they're not talking directly to each other, at least whatever. Let's say for example, the chiropractor comes out for our horse. At least my wife can translate that to you. Hey, the chiropractor says this, you know, and this is what's you know. I don't know if there's a sheet or diagram or. Or something like that. So the owner and or the trainer needs to transfer that message over to the next party that's involved. Right. Uh, and don't hold anything back. Oh, I don't like that person. And, you know. Well, have you ever played the game telephone? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean the ship's gone green? Exactly. <laughs> that's not what I said. <laughs> that's exactly. That's why I would straight to the trainer, straight to the vet, straight to the chiropractor, massage therapist, whoever's involved. If I need to communicate directly with them, just a couple of weeks ago I was speaking with a massage therapist on a client that we're working on together because it is together. There's no one person fixing anything. There's no one person tearing it up. But we, you know, And we don't need to be pointing fingers at each other because everything flows downhill and the fairies on the bottom. You know how that works. Right. I need information. If they need information from me as to what I'm feeling and feeling with what's going on, and you're working on hot horses that I work on, text me, call me. If it's a big, long discussion, get on the phone with me because I just don't do these huge – when somebody wrote half a book on on a text, I just don't do that. See, I, I and because I'm not down in – no, I know we, the horses that we have here, we have a small little cheat sheet as far as, you know, if, if something ever happens, who to call. You would think that I, me being an organized person, I would have a call sheet for everyone. So, for example, you have the vet, the farrier, the massage, the whole list, an laminated car somewhere stuck somewhere, and if you need to have access, so, you know, hey, uh, let me have your chiropractor's number. It'd be on a card, and you can sit there and call them, and everyone can talk to each other and be friends as far as, right. you know, hey, this is what I'm finding out. What did you find out here? Because I'm getting ready to do this, that type stuff. Some kind of communication card, I guess, is what I would call it. Now, I know some places that have numerous horses have these written up on, like, dry erase boards and stuff. Well, what happens with dry erase boards over time and time and time? It either gets, you know, bumped or erased or something like that, and then that's lost. No one ever updates it. So you, I would say just keep, and listen to me, <laughs> the radio guy telling you guys how run your horses but have some kind of updated system to where anyone who touches your horse needs to be on record or have some kind of phone number to where the next party in line can contact and say hey this is this is what i'm seeing is this what you're seeing well i've got and and just if you look at my phone and go in there 50 60 vet clinics numbers i've got a number of chiropractors numbers in my phone um yeah but when you walk when you walk up to the horse you don't know that horse right you know if you look at the horse you're like oh that's dr smith's horse and if it had some kind of placard or something you know horse daisy has you know this vet
that this, mm-hmm. you know, this and this. And I'm this. probably on most horse going to communicate with the trainer right. more than I am anybody else. Yeah. There goes that Hopefully, idea. <laughs> maybe. And, you know, they'll let me know who's working on the horse. The ones that work with me regularly, if there's somebody I need to talk to, they'll let me know that. And we'll just give them a buzz and see where they are with things and see how we can work together to alleviate the situation. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk about doing a mold of a hoof. Can you do that at home with the simple stuff that you can find at the craft store or something? Or Well, you can do that at home and... Well, we'll talk, what? we'll talk about it when we come back. How about that? Sure. All right. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mike. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. We'll be right back. Have you ever been close to tragedy or been close to folks who have? Have you ever felt the pain so powerful, so heavy you collapse? Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Let me change this camera here so it looks a little different for everyone. And make sure you can see this video as well for every podcast we do. We have a matching video as well. And you can see me in the studio. I'm waving to Mike. Mike waving to me. And go over to YouTube and make sure you like his uh, YouTube channel. That's Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And also follow him on Facebook. And you can ask him questions directly on Facebook and Facebook Messenger. Any questions and we'll answer them here on the very next podcast. If you have any questions or any topics and stuff that you want us to discuss or you have questions about make sure you go over to facebook excuse me and also you can email them directly go to equinedynamics.com fill out the contact section and make sure you put podcasts in the subject line now mike we were talking about making a mold of a hoof now i'm thinking like in school where you did the whole plaster of paris and you stuck your hand in it and then you pulled your hand out and then now you got a mold of your hand are, are we talking that kind of a mold for a hoof basically yes all right next topic <laughs> <laughs> No. I, I tell you, you get x-rays to look at. I've been asked to make something for a particular hoof before. Doc Redden in Versailles, Kentucky, that does a lot of laminate horses, working back and forth with him. I've made molds and sent to him. So he's like, I want to see exactly what the foot looks like. Well, I can't exactly mull your horse's leg up there. The dental impression material, or basically the there's a few of them out there. I think where it started was probably dental impression material. The two-part rubber comes in a couple cans. You mix it up yeah. and you use it for impression material under the hoof. comes in different consistencies. You can take a couple cans of that, get just big old wads, put it in the refrigerator or your, your ice box, whatever, cool it down pretty good because what you're going to run into in hot weather is you're going to run out of time because when you start mixing the two, it starts a chemical reaction and then it becomes a rubber from something you know squishy and sticky. Mm-hmm. And you mold that around the horse's foot, pull it all the way up over the coronary band, and keep the horse's foot up. You press it in all the mixed grooves, everything else, and you let it set up. And then I split it right down the middle of the back up under the foot. And then kind of pizza pizza them together? Peel it off. I don't cut it all the way through to the toe. Cut it just enough to get it off. Oh, okay. And then you can put it back together or ship the rubber piece, and we can take... There's several different materials that can be used. You can use a plaster of Paris to make a mold. You put a stick in it so you can stick it in a vise. And you can say, okay, this is what's going on with the foot. I've got a mold. Now, having the actual foot's always better. If I've got something for a horse that's in, let's say, California, because I've actually sent some specialized deals that I built for a horse to California to be put on. 
and vice versa when I was working back and forth with Doc on that laminitic course that we were chasing some problems with, he wanted some things done a certain way. So he prepped the foot where he could. You don't know exactly because there's certain things that won't tell you. Built what he wanted to put it on it and sent it to me. I made minor, you know, minor adjustments and that's okay. That's the way you want it built. I've got it in my hand because you just did it and you packed it, put it in the box, sent it to me and went on the horse because we were consulting back and forth with Doc. And I do that pretty regular anyway with Doc Redden. So I have a, I have a suggestion for you. Again, right. here's the radio guy telling the horse people what to do for you, Mike. Here's a great investment. The machine that could x-ray or do a, a laser copy of the horse's foot right. and, and get a 3D printer for your office and literally 3D print that horse's hoof, I would think that would be more accurate. And of course, no air bubbles or anything in the the material and have that printed out. Or you could send that image to someone to California and you're only you know sending the image and then they can print it out on their side and say, hey, look, this is is this the hoof that you're looking at? And you're like going, yeah, that type of technology. Oh, that, that definitely could be done if anybody had any enough. technical skills. <laughs> that and enough money to... That and enough money yeah. to buy your, your 3D laser printer. Well, send it to the people over in Beverly Hills for their horses. I'm, right. yeah, I'm sure they've got someone over there with some money. So when you once you get the horse's hoof done and everything and, and you send it off, what's the next step? Hopefully we've got some well-shot x-rays and there are differences between x-rays and x-rays have you ever looked at pictures that somebody that's a professional photographer takes yes they are awesome so like is there have you tried to do that with your cell phone i'm horrible how'd it work out for you every time i open up the camera it looks looking at me i'm like ah look at that ugly guy and i have to flip the camera around Well, you gotta have something to work with (laughs) but there is that much difference in x-rays is it is it the machine? Is it the the operator? Because I've been on with, with my back back. I've actually had to do one of those stand up X rays where I was in like this metal flat contraption. Mm-hmm. They did an X ray and they're like, "All right, here's your X ray." And I'm like, "Oh God, this thing looks like from the 1960s." It and- is the barn floor. It is how exact are you with placement of your unit? Are you lined up exactly where you need to be shooting? Are you pitched up? Are you pitched down? Are you pitched? At an odd angle. So you're saying that the person taking the picture, the, the x-ray person, needs to know exactly what angle they're looking at for the horse to be, you know, to get the right angles right. as you're looking at it. And as far as your x-ray unit, voltage in your barn makes a difference. If you've run a piece of lamp cord a half mile to your barn and your voltage <laughs> is low, as far as the you know, the way the equipment is working and the way that when you your, your generator shoots, it's going to make a difference in what the output is. And you want to be... As close and exact as you can every time. You know, there are some very good guidelines on how to shoot x-rays for farriers. And uh, there again, I refer to Doc Redden in Versailles a lot. I spent a lot of time up there. I ended up up there first time in his shop. I rolled in there about 1990 because I lost my best buddy to laminitis in 89. You know, he's he's not the only one, but as far as the hoof and podiatry, this guy has focused his 50-some-odd-year career as a veterinarian slash farrier on horse's feet, and he does horse's feet. He doesn't do colics. He does horse's feet, and he's very good with horse's feet. And like anybody else out there that has done a lot, he's ruffled ruffled a few feathers, and I have too. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to answer a couple of your questions that Mike received from emails and then wrap up the show for this week. Sit down. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back.
Drawing Dynamics with Mike Stein. Make sure you follow him on YouTube. He's going to have a couple more videos posted up here. And also make sure you like him on the Facebook page. He posts a bunch of different videos, some articles, great reading articles as well, and some pictures of him out on the job site, which are kind of funny to watch because all you see is every picture I see of Mike on a job site, he's upside down. Every time I see him, he's upside down. The horse has got one leg up in the air, and it's kind of humorous to see. Uh, but he's got some good-looking horses that he works on, and you can follow him on Facebook as well at Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And get your questions in, uh, equinedynamics.com, contact section, and put the podcast in the subject line, and we'll answer your question on the air just like this one. Now, Mike, who is this from? And I'm putting you on the spot. So, Who is this from? I don't know. We have a question that says, why does a hoof flatten or distort? And this is from one of our listeners. And, of course, Mike did not send the information. Uh, I'm sure someone in the office knows who this is from. And uh, we'll send them out a sticker. And don't forget, if you send us a, a question that we use on the air, we'll send you out some, some free swag. Sometimes people do not like their names rolled up. Okay. Well, that's, but, fu- that's but fine. we're going to answer it anyway. So, so we don't have to have your name. We can have a question. So the question, again, is why does a hoof flatten or distort? Most of the time when we have horses coming to the vet clinic, if you've got a hill that's crushing and you try to grow more hill and get more length then it crushes worse. And it drives the whole hoof base forward. When you start doing that and you start collapsing the palmer angle, which should be up off the ground, the hoof will start flattening down. Horses that have been around with some laminitis, horses that have had toe flares, distortions that are not taken care of. And we're talking about the flares. We're talking about there's an action and a reaction. If I have pressure on the toe and it's pulling forward, it's going to drag the heels right behind it. If the heels aren't addressed and they're crushing forward, it's going to shove the toe right out the front. Just as a flare on one side, if I have a flare coming out, there's probably a push-up or a pressure somewhere else in the hoof, probably diagonally, not all the time. But, you know, we start losing structure of the foot. Horses that have had metabolic issues, horses that have lived in a swamp. If you look out... When I worked on horses out in Colorado, the feet were much more stable than they are in this part of the country. You know, even with thoroughbreds, when I was working thoroughbreds here in Arizona for the same people, going back and forth, the horses that had only lived in Arizona had a much tighter foot. So part of it is living conditions. You know, the modern-day horse is probably not designed to stand in a swamp. At certain times of the year, guess what happens here? Rain, 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 rain. That's why our horse isn't on our property, just because we don't have good drainage on one side of the property. We, in the southeast, we see more funguses than you probably see most of the country. Yeah, down where you're from, Florida, that is that is kind of a great place for some of these weird funguses and feet. <laughs> some stuff they dragged up out of the swamp. But horses should be maintained on a regular basis. Horses that have not been maintained for a long time, you wait till we've got big flares on the foot. Oh, it's time to do its feet. To keep the foot together where it should have been, you really need to do it before you start developing the flares because that's internal stress. You're starting to leverage against the lamina, and if you rip at it long enough, you can cause some damage there just because you got a six-inch toe, and it comes down and it curls forward, not necessarily because of laminitis, just due to, due to force. Stay ahead of the damage. What, what about, uh, uh, you know, we're bringing our horse over from one pasture and arena material to another pasture and our arena material here. Would that affect it at all? Or that's, that's There's always some effects. You know, we may see some growth ring changes because the horse moved. As far as the living condition of the pastures over there, you're close enough that the pasture should be pretty similar to what we have here. I'm hoping. You know, similar ground, like anything else, you always watch. 
All right, guys, get your questions in. Go to equinedynamics.com. Make sure you put in the subject line podcast. And don't forget, if, if we use your question on the air, uh, we'll send you out some stickers. So make sure you have a return address as well. All right, Mike, what did we learn today? Recognizing abnormal movement and how it can affect a horse's performance. People can learn to pay better attention and they can learn to understand more of what's going on in front of them. The best tool the horse owner has is knowledge. Building a team of professionals to benefit your horse or horses. Horses. We need to be able to work together. We need to be able to communicate direct. We got to be able to get all the information the other one needs to each other. Uh, Making a mold of a hoof when and why. When you need some more answers and it can be done without an extreme amount of technology. It can probably be done with an extreme amount of technology, but what's the expense on that? If I want to get my hands on a hoof that lives somewhere else in the country, you can uh, send a mold. We can make a casting here, and we can take a look and see what we got. All right, guys, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to us, downloading us. This will be the end of Season 1. We're going to take a couple weeks off. Uh, Mike Stein's got some stuff he wants to take care of. He's going to set up a whole bunch of uh, videos and stuff for his YouTube channel, so we're going to give him some time to work on that. Make sure you like and follow him over on YouTube at Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Also on Facebook, he'll be posting those as well. Uh, and then Season 2 coming up here in the next couple weeks. Make sure you share, follow, and like so you can find out exactly when we come back on the air. Uh, we're going to have some uh, guests here in the audience. We've lined up some guests and we've also lined up some call-in interviews from very important people. We have trainers. We have uh, Olympic riders. I think you had a, a, a one. I've got one client that's been in the Olympics. So guys, make sure we got a lot more coming up in season two. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. On behalf of Mike Stein over there, say see you later, Mike. See you later, Mike. My name is Travis Holmes and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we'll see you next time. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream.